calamity. He didn't bump you. He didn't nudge you. He rubbed you. And Rubin's son is racing. And welcome everybody to Locked On iRacing, the interviews podcast. I feel like I'm doing these every day. I think we are doing these every day, Braden. Uh, I'm Peter Wilco Wilkinson. I'm with Braden Martin. How are you going, mate? Not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. It's better than Friday night when I talked to him last. Uh, but we are joined tonight by the absolutely amazing driver that is Madison Down. How are you going, mate? Yeah, good guys. Pleasure to be on the uh, show. Been a listener of the last couple, so it's great to be here. Uh, you are a legend. Thank you for dropping into our Discord randomly one time. It was really, really good to see that you actually are out there listening. And um, I must say, you're one of those high ones up there, like um, Emily Jones and a few others that we've had on that we've definitely been been after for a while. So thank you for joining us uh, after Emily dubbed you in. Uh, but we <laughs> won't waffle on too much because I've got a jam-packed list of questions here for you. And, and first of all, for our listeners more so, who is Madison Down? Um, yeah, probably a really long question <laughs> with how long I've been around now. So I it's joined okay. iRacing in, yeah, I joined iRacing in 2010. So been on iRacing now for 11 years. Um, been sim racing competitively though, since 2008. So I started on Gran Turismo yep. uh, with GT Planet, um, with all their leagues that they do. Um, but yeah, I've pretty much solely stayed in the V8 Supercar series. So that being Monday night and V8 Sculpts over that period. Um, also a team manager of Trans-Tasman Racing, so manager driver, I guess. Um, but yeah, mainly I'm a guy that just sim races for fun and has managed to uh, get some amazing opportunities out of it. Oh, definitely. I've, I'm looking through this, like I did the list of questions up. I'm like, Braden, what, what topics do we go on? And I'm like, oh my God, there's so many topics to go on because you have just about done everything at the moment in the sim racing community for Australia anyway. So we've, we've just touched there on your first real go into foray into sim racing when was your first actual racing game that you played there's some pictures that i uploaded um on my personal facebook page of me on a computer game at the age of two so i quite often see this stuff happening on <laughs> iRacing down under with dads and young kids yeah. i was no different um i was on things like the original need for speed um jeff Crammon grand prix 2 those type of things back in the mid 1990s when i was really young um with you know got to about the late 90s when i was four or five and i was starting to use the pedals by myself finally so you know the pedals on the box um you know cushions on the seat all that type of stuff to to push me forward so i could reach the pedals and uh and the wheel but uh yeah originally i was a pc gamer before just um moving into playstation because every kid wants a playstation when you when you're young and then uh yeah as i said 2008 the first competitive thing i did was gran turismo so take us back there. So you were playing other games besides racing games or you just was all over racing at that stage? Uh, pretty much all racing. Anything racing games I've always had. I think on PlayStation I had about you know 50 or 60 games over the time. Um, yep. And I think you know most of those were, were racing games. You know, every yep. F1 game, Destruction Derby, buddy, everything that you can imagine. Um, all the V8 Supercars stuff. So yeah, anything that was a racing game I had. Um I do, um, as a kid, I just remember mowing a hell of a lot of lawns out the front and back to get their pocket <laughs> money to uh, to fund those PlayStation games. But um, but yeah, it was all good fun. So this, you're five, you've got a pedals and wheel in front of you. Is that your father's pedal and wheel? And Do you remember what it was, what the setup was? 
Yeah, it was. So he he doesn't really do any gaming anymore. Um, but back then he didn't mind dabbling in it. And he never did a lot of it, but you know he had that wheel and pedal set there and did, had it for a bit of fun. Um, yeah. Originally, it was a Thrustmaster. So the original Thrustmaster yeah, wheel and pedals yeah. that came out, um, that's what we had. Um, and I remember being, I, I didn't really, I was probably a bit too young to remember that, but the wheel I did all of my stuff on as a kid was a Logitech Wingman. So that was a, it had like a red rubber wheel rim and um, paddle shift. And I remember at the time, that was the first force feed, feedback wheel that we had. And it um, it also had that paddle shift on the back. And that was in a time when paddle shift was quite new, even to yeah. any road car. So I remember thinking that that was pretty cool, but um, but looking back on it, it compared to what we've got now, it's um, it's amazing to see how far the tech's come. What was that hooked up to? Like, what was your wheel and and pedal hooked up to back then? Um, well, I'm trying to. It, it wouldn't have been anything flash. It was no. it was one of those old white goods style computers where you know it was all that creamy white color, and as it gets old, it starts <laughs> to become an off white and all that type yeah. of thing. So, so was um, it just slapped onto a desk and, and yeah, a, yeah, chair? yeah. No sim rigs back then, so just <laughs> a um just a desk, um office chair. Um, the, the desk, I think was an old one out of, a, out of dad's office that he used to work for at the company at the time. So it was very office business style looking. Yeah. Um, but even the, um, I remember trying to, cause we actually still have this wheel in the shed. Um, I remember trying to plug it in and you can't even plug it in anymore because it's not done through yeah. USB and all that type of thing. So yeah. Yeah. The old serial port. Gotta love it. Now that you've moved on from the uh, very, very old games from back then and sort of fallen into iRacing over the well, quite a long time now. Uh, what would, is obviously the V8 Supercar still your favorite favorite car to drive, but what what's, what would be your favorite car and track combo? Um, well, it's a good question. I mean, I'm a, I'm a massive Oran Park fan growing up, going to that place. Um, that was really where I got my love for racing. So, I, I always really enjoy Oran Park in just about anything. Um, funnily enough, I'm not actually very successful at Oran Park, but I love the combination. <laughs> I love the challenge of it. But um, yeah, uh, for me, I always love going there. Um, the other place is Phillip Island. That's just a fantastic track. That probably suits the V8 a lot better. Um, I, I love Phillip Island and I probably like that one a bit more because I am actually a bit more successful at that place. But um, the fast flowing nature of that track is just awesome. And um, I'm fortunate enough to drive that track once in real life. And that place is every bit as good as you can imagine it is. So if anyone ever gets the chance to drive that, it's just unbelievable how high speed that place is. We just spoke to Stuart Brown uh, this week as well. And he basically said the same thing about um, Phillip Island and getting it's to drive very distracting there. watching the view. Um, when you're coming up over the hill into, into turn one. So. It actually is. It's more distracting in real life than what it is in the sim, I noticed. And I like I use VR in the sim. And coming over the crest in the main straight and all you can see is ocean into turn one, mm. it's the most strange feeling. I've got to say, though, the one thing that I did get distracted by in real life there is I was looking for that boat in the distance every lap <laughs> and it wasn't there. <laughs> Very disappointing. <laughs> um so obviously we had some surprise news come out very very recently yesterday um, with some sort of updates to Rain and, and the idea of when Rain possibly might be coming to iRacing and this is the first time really I've heard iRacing actually speak out much about it. Um, what did you think of that news that we heard? 
Yeah, I saw that as I went to bed after watching F1 quality last night. Um, yeah, pretty surprising. I didn't see that coming as, well, we still, of course, don't exactly know when it's <laughs> going to come out. iRacing quite he, often announces this stuff. but He did say that their hope, that their, their internal target is the end of the year. So that would be Yeah, that would be good, start. but I'm not getting my hopes up on that. No. <laughs> he said they'll definitely, internally, they'll be, they'll be using it at that stage. But yeah, the, the external use probably... Yeah, maybe very very soft. Maybe. Yeah, it's um, it, it is good to see it happening in the game though, and to see that footage of it that they've actually got it in game. It's just a matter of now, I guess, getting it right and getting the bugs ironed out. Um, I guess we've probably all seen it coming for a while with everything they've been doing with dynamic track and the weather mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. Um. But they had to get all the fundamentals in place to make that happen. But I, I think it'll be really good. I, I think it'll really create a new dynamic for all all forms of league racing, that's for sure, um, especially things like enduros and that. So the driving style in the wet is so much different to in the dry. And I think people, people are hoping so much for the wet, but... I actually don't think you're going to be hoping to race in the wet. That's the yeah. funny thing about it. Like it's, yeah. I know for me, I, I find it really, really hard in real life in the rain. So um, you're always dreading those races. But hey, it could be a good training tool as well for, for people in the sim to get better in real life for those that do both. I've only just figured out how to drive in the dry, so <laughs> I don't really want to be learning how to drive in the wet as well. At Have the moment. you though? Have you really? Well... <laughs> Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> um, so I, I like the picture they used to to show it is Hockenheim with a McLaren with soft tyres on in the wet, and I'm like, yeah, that's not going to be fun at all. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Scops. Uh, you've been a huge part of Scops since the start. I went back and had a look through the the eight seasons now, and you you're not out of top three any season whatsoever. Um, how has it changed over the years? It's just kept getting more and more professional, more and more coverage. Um, competition ramps up every year. Uh, it's definitely the most competitive year that we've seen this year. Um, but yeah, it, it's been fantastic. The the Scop series has just grown. Um, it, it it came definitely off the back of a community request, I guess. So. Um, we were doing Monday nights at the time every week. It's that, that of course still, still occurs the soft races on Monday night, but, um, doing that 48 weeks of the year at the level we were doing it, which was pretty much the same as what we're doing with Scops, not only for the, the teams and drivers, but for the broadcasters with SimSpeed as well. That was pretty taxing to have a, yeah. a broadcast that professional as well to match that. And then as I said, for the drivers doing the amount of practice, um, was pretty tough and everybody was getting burnout. So I guess Scops was born off the back of that. I, people now probably wouldn't really understand that, but um, yeah, that, that was where it was kind of born. And I, I think the format we've got now is, is fantastic. Like with, you know, 14, 15 rounds, give yourself some time off between rounds in some instances. And yeah, no, it's, it's a great series. I've, I really liked seeing the growth of it. What's it been like driving in such a competitive series for, I guess, even before that with the strength of field, like week in, week out or round round after round? Like, How has that helped you and, and what's it like in that competitive nature for so, such a long period? 
enormously. It's enormously helpful um, being in that environment. I've been saying to a lot of people this year, actually, that I think the best I've ever driven is in the present. I I don't think I've ever driven better than how I'm driving now. Um, Just every year you keep building on what you already know and you keep being pushed by, by people and those people are different every year. I mean, there's, there's been a couple that have been around a long time in the series, such as, you know, one of my teammates, Richard Hampstead, um, Jared Philsell has been around a long time now as well. Yeah. He's been around since about 2013, 2014. So um, those guys have been around a long time, but then Jordan Caruso, Cooper Webster, Altus, you know, James Scott, those guys have come onto the scene a lot more recently. Um, and they've they've really forced us to, to you know keep stepping up and keep on our toes. So the um as as I said the the driving quality for myself at the moment I I feel is the best I've ever driven. And you know it's tough to um when you've been around eleven years to to try and stay at the front. And it's easy to fall into the has been category. So <laughs> you, you're trying to forever stay out of that category and keep winning races. But uh, yeah, you've just got to keep pushing. So what's your favourite season out of the eight seasons you've been in so far? Uh, so I guess it's got to be one that I've won, doesn't it? So <laughs> You have won two out of the eight. So yeah. Well done on that, by the way. Yeah, I'd say for me, 2016, which is probably a bit of an interesting one because in that series, I actually only won one race all year in 2016, but managed to come away with the series win. Yeah. Um, I was I just remember in that series being very calculated. Um you know, we, we had a lot of battles with uh, Jared Philsell. He was, he's over the course of Scops, he's been um, the dominant one with race wins and championships. But um, Josh Rogers was also on the scene in yeah. in 2016 as well. So that was kind of the very start for him. And, and he was, he was really coming up through the ranks. And uh, yeah, that season, I just drove consistently, basically. I, I pretty much never finished off the podium. So every opportunity I had, I maximized my pace and maximized my car. And I kept myself in the game right to the last round. And basically, at the last round, we had a scenario where whoever whoever beat each other pretty much out of Jared Philsell and myself would win the championship. And you can't drop the last round. So um, we were racing first and second in that final round for about half the race. And Jared passed me into turn three at Road America at the bottom of the hill. I tried to hang around the outside, lost it in the marbles and crashed into his door, uh, which put him in the fence and me in the fence. And I felt terrible at the time. (laughs) And um, yeah, basically we both had damaged cars and um, yeah, I came out of it a bit better, but had basically received a drive-through penalty off the back of that, which is going to fire me way down the order. So then it was after that, um, it was no longer whoever beat who because the points taper off as you go down the field. So um, I had to get back to within two positions of Jared to win the championship. And I got back to within two two positions with two apps to go. So that is a broadcast to look back on. If anyone wants to watch a final round of a broadcast, that was one of the ones that you... Jared and I had pretty much not finished off the podium all year. And in the final round, both of us finished off the podium. And that was one that you can't drop your round and the championship on the line. So that was um, the end of that championship was unbelievable. The pressure in that race, the circumstances around it. It's hard not to like that year as the best year. Yeah, definitely. You're currently leading this season. Um, How much harder has this season been compared to some of the other seasons? And has that made it much more enjoyable or has it made it more challenging or frustrating or? 
oh, probably all of the above. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> it's always frustrating. Like we've had we've had plenty of rounds this year as a team um, at TTR that we just haven't been on top of the car. Um, and there's been rounds we honestly thought we we were going to come out and stick the thing on pole, and we've come out and not done that. And the last round at Detroit was no different. We um, honestly thought we had a really good car in qualifying where we've been struggling and we worked our ass off in qualifying and guy came out and qualified the car ninth, which is one of the worst qualifying efforts I've ever done. So it's been frustrating from that point of view because we've had to work so hard. But I think, as I said, I think everybody's lifting um, and pushing each other with us, Altus, Pursuit, Sim Racing, you know, Jared with United. There's There's so many teams really pushing each other to the next level. Um, the reason I race Scops is because it's competitive. So you sit here and get frustrated and complain about that. But at the same time, the reason I do it is for that competition and um, and pushing yourself. You don't really want to race in a series where you just, you know, you know, 1300 soft and driving away, winning by 30 seconds. It's not, that's not really what it's about. It's about pushing yourself to try and um, win against the best. And Scops this year, probably more than ever, has proven to be um, super competitive. I've I've really liked the variety of winners. So I don't know the exact stat on that, but I know that um, this year has had a lot more variety in race winners than other years. So it's um, it's really good to see. And how hard is it to maintain that strong result in you know in a league as as competitive as Scops like over all this time? What kind of work goes into that? Yeah, for me, it's about somewhere between about five to 10 hours around um, in practice, which is probably not too dissimilar to others. One of the things that um, I've really found is, and this comes back to the, the Monday night discussion that I was having before, is you've, you've got to really focus on um, how you manage your time, especially if you're working full time and that type of thing out of sim. And um, it's very easy to go, we were bad last round, let's do 30 hours next round. But the problem is you'll just burn yourself out doing that. So you might get a yield for one round, but by the next round you do two hours practice because you're so stuffed from doing 30 the round before. So when you're really looking across how you go well over a championship, I think it's really important to make sure that you have a consistent practice schedule um, to avoid that burnout. Um, but that's that's really been my secret. And I probably didn't work that out until about 2017, 2018, <laughs> where you know, I was a bit up and down with results, um, still going well, but probably not as consistent as I wanted. And I think that as it's become more competitive has become more important. For those people who don't drive the V8 supercar like myself, uh, but I have watched a bit of it, the tyre wear is incredibly important. It just drops off so quickly. How important is tyre wear and fuel burn and things like that in scops? And do you have any tips for people listening? Yeah, it's it's super important. The the tire degradation is is huge compared to other cars. The the and and fuel burn as well. The thing's pretty hungry on fuel, being <laughs> being the power it's got. So, uh, the biggest thing is to be smooth. So as soon as you start overdriving this car, you just get burned for it. Not only is it slow, you the the tire drop off is exponential. So if if you overdrive one lap, you'll be hurt for the next five at least, um, and you just go backwards. So. Um, you've, you've almost got to drive the car like it's seven or eight tenths every lap. That's the way you drive it 10 tenths. So you've got to really change the gearing in your mind from a GT car or something like that back to be, I've, I've actually got to drive it a little bit beneath the grip threshold. 
Um, and, and same with fuel burn. You, you actually, by being good on your fuel and, and lifting and coasting a little bit in races and basically treating the pedal as if I'm getting wheel spin, I'm wasting fuel. Um, if I'm on the rev limiter in a certain moment, I'm wasting fuel. If you treat that in the back of your head as your mentality, not only will you save fuel, you'll save tires as well and you'll go faster. That's the really strange thing a lot of people don't understand. So quite often in the races, yeah, when you when you keep that smoothness in, in front of mind, you um, you actually get better results. It kind of doubles up for a lot of cars as well. Even I've noticed recently in the cars that I drive, just that overdriving and when I pull it back and actually it just seemed to be a little bit smoother, I'm actually a lot, a lot faster. So I think it's a good tip crossover wise as well, but definitely important in the V8 supercar. Uh, do you have any advice for people who are wanting to make a Scops run one day or would like to get that, make their way into the Scops series? Yeah, I, I think just do it. It's probably the, the, um, the best advice I can give so many people I've actually had with, uh, you know, fortunately through coaching with VRS um, have, have kind of, had scops as a goal and and I'm asking those people, well, do you do it now? And they're like, oh no, I'm doing this other series now while I get good enough to do scops. I think it's important if you if you want to get into scops, try and pre-qualify for it. There's a split two as well. I know that that's competitive and you may not make it, but you've got to be comparing yourself against those drivers. Yeah. And yeah, racing other stuff is is helpful, but but if you really want to get there, you need to start doing the same sessions in pre-qualifying as the fastest guys and and push yourself and see like one week you might be 1.7 seconds off the the fastest time you know try it the next week hopefully you can be a bit closer kids keep edging closer and closer and you'll get there a lot of people seem to think that they don't want to do it until they're good enough um i think i think you'll delay that progression to the top if you do that so i think um, for most people just jump in and, and get started I think driving around and with other people who are faster than you as well, it's, it, it's amazing how much just from watching what they're doing and, and seeing how they're driving can improve your times as well. Yeah, 100%. Following, you might, I see it a bit in pre-qualifying with second split drivers around me. I know it's happening and that's completely fine. But some sometimes you see people come out of the pits behind me in pre-qualifying and it's not just me. I see it with other drivers and I've done the same thing to other other like Ultis guys and that type of thing as well. I've, or, you know, a team's gone by. It helps when you can see lines or watch replays of people in the session that you're with that are a lot faster than you, because you've got to you got to keep learning. So yeah, it's really important. Definitely. So I just quickly went through the stats. I think we've got six different winners so far from the rounds in Scops. It's hard because they put the split two winners in there as well, but it seems like there's about six. So yeah, yeah that would be. Been- that would be probably the most variety because most mm. seasons gone by have been pretty much only um, in the individual races, discounting enduros, have mostly yeah. only been three or four drivers in individual yeah. races. So we're only halfway through or not even around about that, so a bit over halfway. And um, yeah, we're already at that. So yeah, that's definitely shaping up really well. So we touched on your managerial skills as a team manager before with Trans-Tasman Racing. Do you want to explain to those who don't know um what trans tasman racing is and how you got involved in the first place yeah so this actually started in gran turismo which is probably something a lot of people don't realize so this started back in 2009 and it was back the gran turismo that we were using back then was um gt5 prologue um gt5 wasn't out yet 
And back then you couldn't set up any servers yourself. You had to just um, click online, play race on this series and it will match you up with someone. There was no rating or anything like that. It just matched you up. So back then we used to all agree to join on the hour or quarter past the hour or whatever. And let's hope that we all end up in the same race. Basically, this didn't start as a team. This started as a community. So this started as a bunch of Australia, New Zealand drivers that, because the hardest thing on a console is to try and find clean drivers to race against. So we all just got to know each other, added each other as friends, and then decided to make it a community. Um, And we used to just run race nights, basically, where we'd jump on, go, all right, we're going to race rear-wheel drive stuff in this series, the 550 performance points, whatever it was, and you pick whatever car and tune it up and and go and we do every on the hour then every half an hour you know um point and, and jump in the races and no voice chat or anything back then either you used to have little chat groups on ps3 and that was it uh, we used to communicate as well on msn messenger but this is all stuff that's <laughs> wow. laughable now but yeah. this is where ttr started um i was saying that to some of the team members literally the other night that are that can barely remember msn because they're too young like yep. we used to have all that. There was no Facebook group or anything back then. There was, yeah, it was all MSN Messenger and that type of thing. So, um, yeah, I think we even had a Bebo page and stuff like that back in the day. Oh, that was wow. a social media thing. Like we had yep. all kinds of that stuff back in the era. But anyway, it started as a started as a community. Um, I moved across to R Factor, did a little bit there, and then went to iRacing. Um, unfortunately, not too many of the drivers that were in the Gran Turismo era back then are still around um there are a couple that uh jumped across to iRacing and did some things so michael healy he's moved on from ttr now but he is still out there kicking around um tony ortridge did some stuff as well he was one of our drivers um he's still in the team but inactive but he did a lot of scop stuff when you know we jumped across but yeah, um, a lot of the members have been long-time members. Um, and yeah, I guess on iRacing, it went from a community to a team. So yeah, that's kind of the transition of it. Nice. I, I do remember in, in other games having to sync drop, you know, someone's having to go three, two, one, and then everyone press join. Yep. And then you're praying for the next probably 30 seconds or so while it loaded you in that you all got the one thing. So definitely remember days like that. But what's it been like racing for such a dominant team, especially in the most, in the the most in the more recent scops? era yeah it's it, look it's been fantastic i mean ttr is always i guess because we started as a community we the idea was that we're a bunch of mates and that's probably the thing that i've tried to keep um in front of mind for everybody uh when we're looking at getting drivers or you know when, when we're doing this competitive stuff it's just always in, important to remember that you know it, we're doing this for fun and we we need to be enjoying it and you need to be enjoying it with each other um and as soon as you start to have that disappear you've got to look back at you know what's what's going wrong to make this environment change and um it's tough when it's a dominant team because you actually you start your whole world revolves around results so when things are going well everybody's happy when things aren't going well nobody's happy so it's it's really hard and i guess I've, I've really tried to manage that environment as best as what we can. Um, on the most part, it's been okay. We've had tough times where we've had, you know, um, drivers leave and come and go and that type of thing. And the environment's probably not been where we wanted it to be. And 
the weird thing about that is is that time for us was probably around the 2018 period a few years ago and in that period we we were getting one two threes left right and center in scops but the environment behind the scenes probably wasn't where it needed to be um and it wasn't feeling fun for anybody in the team so even though the results were there the team internally was kind of falling apart a little bit i remember calling team meeting after team meeting at that point and it was just frustrating and um so 2019 was like a bit of a rebuilding year where we just wanted to get back to basics, forget about all the professionalism, forget about the results, forget about all that, and let's just get it back to fun. And um, yeah. we've managed to maintain that. So it's not always rosy when, when you're with these teams winning winning race after race or championship after championship. <laughs> Behind the scenes, it might not be what it's um, yeah. all thrown out to be. So I completely understand that. Um, it, it's, it's very interesting. At least you can keep that persona going forward, but... Um... Yeah, and try. Obviously, so many dominant people. Everyone wants to be winning. So when they're not winning, they're, they're not happy. But no, well done on keeping it going for so long. Um, how much has it improved your racing over the years being part of such a, a strong team? Having yeah, having teammates that are all fast makes a difference for sure. But even but even teammates that are coming up through um, a second split scenario, if if you're looking at data all the time, which I am kind of anyway being a vrs coach but i guess through through the vrs software in particular in the last two or three years we've used that as a team religiously so when we do practice or or whatnot and it's not just me i mean i'm the official you know vrs coach in the team i guess that that gets all the praise but i guess richard hampstead and josh anderson and those types of other fast guys who have been around a while and understand the data really well those guys are coaching others in the team as much as as anyone else. And Richard and I have been around both for about 10 years in the V8 and we're bouncing off each other as well. So at Alton Park, for instance, um, in a recent round of scops, Richard was um, one-tenth faster across both the chicanes at Alton Park, but doing the same lap speed as myself and Josh Anderson. So he was miles faster in a certain style of corner in the track on exactly the same setup. So we had a lot to learn from him. But then in the high speed corners, Josh Anderson and I were, you know, we were doing the same speed. We're a tenth faster in all the high speed stuff. So Richard's looking at our data going, well, how do I get better there? And we were just pushing each other forward and forward and forward and forward. And that's that's really important. That, that for me, is the biggest thing about um, having the team environment we've got is just having the openness to share and help each other and just keep driving each other to the front. Yeah, it's something that we've really only just started exploring uh, probably the last few weeks um, with the people that we drive with. And it's definitely, you know, can make some big steps into a very short time just by seeing what someone else is doing. It's really important. Um, How much is it gloves off once you guys are all racing each other? Enormously. (laughs) We don't really treat each other as teammates. Um, I think people would have seen that on the broadcast in Scops various times. Um, yeah, I know Richard and I in particular, um, it's weird. We've had Richard on the team now for around about two years or so, but um, Richard and I were fierce rivals for most of the time we've known each other. And um, to have him now in the same colours is weird. And Richard's like, I, I like to think of him as a Garth Tander, for instance. Yep. where he just does not let anybody go. Um, <laughs> he will not gift you the spot, whether you're a teammate or someone else, he's going to make you pass him. And um, yeah, I, I 
completely approve that as a manager I've said it a lot of times look if if it's if you're on a totally different strategy or something don't make it too hard for someone but if you're racing someone and it's genuine same strategy just go for it just make sure you don't have each other off um which unfortunately we have done a little bit this year <laughs> like I, including me I, I had yeah. one of my teammates off this year but um but look you've just got to you've just got to remember that team culture and when it happens and try and manage that as best as you can you're all mates behind the scenes as, lo- as long as it's as it's relatively fair and it doesn't get out of control it, it should be fine um i just want to quickly jump in there but while Braden's there um do you guys sit in the same discord or anything like that or are you in separate teams or like how much communication do you guys have between the whole trans Tasman league racing uh yeah all of us sit in the same channel so there's there's a yeah. few of us and we all sit in the same channel um at times we tell each other to shut up so yep. it's it's usually myself there we've all got mute buttons set but occasionally you know you, you'll be asking somebody who might be doing fuel numbers or something like that for a quick calculation or you know talk at talk at strategy on track or whatever it is so sometimes there's moments where you can't be um can't be muted and um that's where someone might be blowing up about being stuck behind someone or whatever and you're just like just shut up just focus on driving for a sec mate <laughs> it's too much talk going on so we do sit in the same channel but we we don't have individual spotters for we've, we've got too many drivers for that so we we have usually one person that cops the the brunt of the calculations <laughs> and the calculator's got smoke coming out of it but um yeah, yeah. so Something like Road Atlanta this season where it seemed like every Trans-Tasman car wanted to hit another Trans-Tasman car. What what was that like sitting in the voice channel for that race? It was That was one of those rounds where we thought we were looking good. Um, yeah. We'd done a lot of laps. We thought, we thought everything was going well. We were actually really happy with the car balance. <laughs> and it wasn't until we got into qualifying and got out qualified by half a second that we were like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> That's not like a tenth <laughs> or two. We're miles off. So the night didn't start well and it really just kept going downhill after that. Like we, we crashed into each other. We, yeah, we, what kind of happened is we were, we were off the pace of the leaders. So we're normally racing amongst Altus and Pursuit and all this type of stuff. And we were off the pace of them. So they were all racing each other. And then basically we were still competitive, but it put us all the cars in the same part of the track. So then all of a sudden we're all racing each other. Um, and there's no other team involved in that pretty much. So we were, we were all on the same part of the track and frustrated that we were slow. So, um, it didn't really bode very well. We had a lot of contact between drivers, but look, we, we actually, um, we actually have basically a debrief at the end of the night. It's not very professional. It's go through the penalties, go through how the night went. We all, you know, tell our little, have a little story time over, you know, how our nights went and, um, it's, it's turned into a bit of a. Um, have a Canadian club or two so it's all excitement for the debrief after it and it's it's partially a bit of a team culture thing to try and get that stuff in the air straight away say what you want to say to your teammate pick on them in front of everybody else as much as you want to about you know them having you in the fence and I had to put my hand up at Road Atlanta and say yeah really sorry Stanny I completely drilled you at the end of the back straight which <laughs> he was streaming at the time and he's like oh you know Mads is coming fast and I literally got to him and smashed into the back of him as soon as I got there 
with both fronts locked. So, look, you've got to, in those moments where we have those Canadian club debriefs where we stream on Discord or watch the race back, you've got to just put your hand up sometimes and go, sorry, and then he hooks into you. Bloody idiot, can't believe it. You're telling us all the time to get along and then you just crash into me straight away, all that type of thing. So, um, yeah, uh, it's all fun and games, but you've just, you've just got to make sure you, um, you recognise your mistakes, I guess. Um, I guess what's it been like watching the rise of the Altus uh, team in, in across the Scops landscape, but I guess across lots of different um, series at the moment, they're sort of popping up everywhere. What's that been like? Yeah, good. I mean, they're, they're obviously a little bit different in the way that their um, team environment works. So they, you know, put their eggs in a lot of different baskets. So they're doing a lot of different things. Um, we're kind of very much in the Australian scene only focusing on one car. Um, you know, they, they've got a lot of drivers, but their, their driver roster is bigger than ours, but they're racing lots of things, rallycross, GT, NASCAR, all that type of thing. Um, so, and we yeah, we just don't do that. So the, the way that their structure of their team is a little bit different. Um, but in the V8, they've done amazing things this year, seeing, um, Jordan Caruso, James Scott and Cooper Webster, their pace has been phenomenal, particularly over one lap. Um, and particularly Jordan, um, he's he's had a lot of pole positions in a row now, um, which is certainly a worry to us because we're seeing he's scratching our heads going, oh, we, we just don't know how they're getting the pace out of the car over one lap. And you, you can see it is definitely a qualifying issue for us because we're always fast in the races, but we're, we're struggling to get the track position over them. So um, they're, they're doing a lot right. They've also got a partnership with VRS as well. So they will be using VRS the same way as us. It, it's always it's always been the case in Scop. So we've always had a rival. So I guess TTR has been always at the front of the field. But that team that we've battled with has often changed. So at the moment, it's Altus. It was ERT a few years ago. Before that, it was, it was ANZ Motorsport. And before that, it was probably TTL. So there's always been a big rival team for us. So it's just, you know, it's just a different team at this stage for us that we want to beat. Um, and we've always had that competition. So nothing changes. Would you recommend finding a team to race with um, within iRacing for those who aren't in one? And, and I guess if they, are, if they are thinking about it, what kind of things should they be looking for? Yeah, teams are good. But I think the important thing for a lot of people I talk to is, don't join a team for the wrong reasons. So don't join a team just because they've got fancy sponsorship and fancy liveries and all that type of thing. The really important thing with joining a team is probably, in my opinion, to, to join a team with mates. So uh, the teams that do well are the ones that get along with each other. Um, and, you know, you, you see that with every team. And so many teams come and go and quite often the culture they've got there just isn't right. I would I say to people with some of the coaching I do, um, not so much to look for a team, but look for a bunch of like-minded people or people you've got common interest with and people you're going to get along with sim racing with because that's where you're going to excel. And if that's not a team yet, um, there's always the opportunity to make that into a team yourself. Don't know how, you know, it doesn't have to be a professional team, just throw something together. That's, you know, that's literally how TTR started and it's kind of still how it is really. Um, it's not overly professional and it's just a bunch of mates driving together. So I think that's the most important thing. So many people I talk to, are, I want to get this, I want to get that. I, I want to have this partnership. I want to 
have this sponsorship and stuff. Forget about that. <laughs> just just enjoy your sim racing first and you'll do well. Yeah, I think coming out of the back of, um, we just did skips at um, Red Bull Ring and we've had a little bit of that where everyone was disappointed, but I'm, I'm trying to get back to everyone that we're doing this for fun. We're just having doing this with ourselves and, you know, if we win, we win. If we don't, we don't. But, yeah, I think that's a very, very big part of the, the team atmosphere. Definitely be looking for that if you're out there looking for a team, someone that you're going to have fun with. That's the main thing. But let's move on to what you've mentioned a few times now, VRS. So you do a lot of VRS coaching over over with them and data work and stuff like that. What exactly do you do for VRS? Yeah, so VRS um, came out, I'm trying to think, it was probably about five or six years ago now. And I remember when it came out thinking that's an interesting idea. I don't think it's going to work though. Um, how wrong i was (laughs) so that's just the the straight up honesty there that i um and i said that to peter dimov who ran var uh, vrs sorry now you know that that time when he first got in contact with me and um you know i said to him you know is this going to be worth my while and that type of thing and and yeah he was he answered all the questions that i had for him and um, it's turned out to be a really good relationship. You know, that was back in, try to think that was back in 2017 now that I started with VRS. And um, originally, you know, the, the format of it's changed a little bit, but um, I've done the V8 Supercar data pack now for four years, which is quite a while. I didn't realize it had been that long. Um, and I, I also do the Spec Race Ford data pack currently as well. So a bit of a rookie car that um, is a bit easy easy to drive, but you know, get the data out there for people. Um, I've done a few other ones, but the biggest thing for me is obviously the V8. So I do that week in, week out. Um, and we do coaching as well. So that, that's been excellent. Um, and, you know, I've got to meet a lot of good people along the way. So you mentioned how you didn't think it would help, but you're obviously religiously using it now, like we, we mentioned before. How much help does it give you week to week? It's just it's just a really easy software to view the data. So the driving analyzer tool in VRS is with all the color coding stuff. It's it's so much more simple. It does it does a very similar um, similar thing to Motec, but yep. it's so easy to read in comparison. You don't have to be an engineer to read it, which is excellent. Like I'm I'm a little bit and the way I the way I talk and the way I coach as well is I'm a little bit of a simpleton. Like I I keep stuff simple for people because. <laughs> There's just no point overcomplicating things. So having it as this color is faster than this color in the micro sectors at the top makes it really, really easy to to track down what sectors in a lap people are struggling and um, even showing the um, delta graph that you basically you're seeing in, as the tab key in, in game um, in front of your face, you get that graphed in VRS. So you can see exactly whereabouts in the corner you've lost or gained time. Which, um, which is really easy to see. So, yeah, you can jump in there with a teammate or, you know, if you've got a coaching session or whatnot, and you can usually track down a problem within about five minutes. And that problem will more often than not be not just one corner. It'll be what they're doing at most corners will be the same issue. And you just talk about it, go out, practice it, try and put it into practice straight away, review it again, see if you improved anywhere, see if you gained any time, you know, just keep working on it. So that's pretty much what we do week in, week out. So how much time when, you, when you're when you getting ready for a scops round do you actually spend in data just looking at numbers each week? Um, probably probably an hour roughly out of that practice time. So probably, as I said, about six to ten hours of practice for me. 
I'd probably spend about an hour looking at data. So it's not it's not data in big chunks though. So you're not sitting there for half an hour or an hour yeah. looking at something. It's for me on a personal point of view, I'll jump in and go, buddy, Richard's fast. So <laughs> how's he going that quick? Um, and I'll I'll jump in and and try work it out. But you're only in there for three or four minutes, and you go, okay, yeah, that's what he's doing there. I'll go try that. Um, we do have little Discord sessions sometimes where some of the guys put in our in our chat go, hey, do you know one of the faster guys in the team want to come on and give me a hand just for a sec and and just because I've had a look at it and I can't work it out and and whatever and we'll jump on and have a bit of a half an hour session where we've got some of the guys that are trying to progress further to the front and we'll um, screen share on Discord and um, all talk about it at the same time and yeah, see this, see this and quite often we'll actually have discord open with one person that is um in vrs and one person that's in game looking at the lap in game so you can visually see um not just where the car is on the graph and in the data but also it helps to know visually where that car is in game so um we might look at a lap from myself or richard or ando or someone quicker then we'll look at lee or stanny or someone who's three or four tenths away um and see you know what half a meter actually looks like and why that half a meter makes a difference. You might be going to go across a camber a slightly dif- different way, or you might be going to hit a curb a slightly different way. And you can't see that in the data, but when you view that in game, you can put the two together. So yeah. that's that's really how we we utilize the software. That's really interesting. Um, I like that idea of having the car up and yeah, running it alongside the data. That's, that's really good. Um, have you ever just looked at someone's data and been like, baffled or confused at how they're actually still managing to go so quick yeah for me that guy's jared jared philsell <laughs> so i remember in, in one instance we were practicing for bathurst and this is when he was a teammate of mine at ttr and i remember just looking at it and going i have no idea how he's breaking that weight into the chase like he was easily 20 meters deeper than me on the brakes into the chase and i'm just looking at it going I've got no clue how you're even stopping that for the corner. Like I'm at the limit of breaking and I can't stop. Um, and I was looking at it and going, well, he's gaining, I keep, he was gaining two tenths on me under breaks. And I was pulling back because you always see this in data. I was pulling back 0.12 or 0.11 or something on the exit. So I was slowing it down earlier and getting a better exit. But I thought, well, obviously I've got time to find. It's only a tenth, but I've obviously got a tenth to find in the breaking zone which I'm like, it's a straight breaking zone. How hard is it? Surely I can find that. Just, yeah, no. Jared Jared is the last of the weight breakers in the car. And I, <laughs> you know, breaking breaking's a big thing um, in, in every car, but in the V8, it's it's critical. And his, his breaking always baffled me. I, I could never quite understand how he can break so late and still make the apex. But yeah, as I said, I always got better exits than him, but it didn't make up for how much he gained on the entry. What's the biggest mistake you see drivers uh, making when they come in for coaching? Uh, probably intertwined with each other, but overdriving um, is a massive one. So they, they think that they've got to be 10 tenths everywhere. That, however, can stem from braking a little bit. So people more often than not, braking is the issue. Almost every, you could almost, you know, in a way say to most people, I try to do it in my tutorial videos, but most of the time it comes down to braking and anyone that's seen my tutorial videos is probably sitting here laughing going all you talk about in your tutorials is braking <laughs> but but it is so important um 
I I would say that you set the car up for the corner in the braking zone. So if you don't get the braking right, you're never going to get the corner right. So it all stems from there. If you brake too deep, overshoot the corner, or don't trail the brake into the corner properly, or, or whatever it might be, whatever you're doing wrong in that braking, that affects the corner. And if you don't get the braking right, you never get the corner right, which means you never get the exit right. And that's the biggest thing I see in coaching. And it's the biggest thing I see internally in the team. We're pretty much only ever talking about braking. Um, there's obviously a little bit more to it. If, if the braking is pretty good and you're getting through the corner, you can still look at data. But the biggest time loss is usually braking. And if you had just one piece of advice you had to give to a driver, you couldn't give them anything else, would it be that not driving at the 10 tenths the whole way or would it be something else? Yeah, 100%. Drive smooth. Don't overdrive. Um, as soon as you overdrive, everything turns to crap, basically. So you've just got to hit your marks. Um, even when you feel like driving smooth is not working, you just just be precise. Um, break in the right spot, turn in at the right spot. It all sounds really, really simple, but it's actually something that people forget when they're in the heat of the moment. Quite often you see it when someone's in a battle. Um, they'll they'll drive like absolutely brilliantly to get to the back of someone. And then as soon as they get there and they start trying to put moves on, they start overdriving, outbreaking themselves, and um, it all turns to crap once they get there. So you've and I've got to, I talk to myself in races the same way, where you you basically sometimes have to pull back, um, pull back your own mind and go, idiot, don't forget <laughs> everything you've done to get to this point. Keep driving smooth. Um, and sometimes you've got to be a bit honest with yourself there and do that. So yeah, smoothness is one hundred percent the the biggest piece of advice. Um, so we haven't even touched on the whole E-Series thing that popped up, obviously, two years ago with COVID. What was it like when you found out you were going to be part of the Supercars E-Series in the first place? Yeah, amazing. So, yeah, back in 2019, we had the first one. Um, yeah, and that, that first one, I, I drove for Shannon's Insurance as a, as a you know, sponsored entry. Um, and that one... I guess that that was a pretty big deal because we we hadn't ever been affiliated with supercars like that before. So supercars used to do articles on their website and that type of thing, but nothing like this. So that was huge. In that series, I had to go through the draft. So there was a lot of um, stress in that first year to, to get the draft right didn't really go as what I well as what I wanted. I, I did finish second in the draft, but um, the reverse grid race really went badly for me. I had a DNF, got involved in a crash, and that was extremely frustrating because we actually ran a reverse grid race um, where I got from 16th to 4th, I believe it was, something like that. And the race actually got rerun due to a error. And so I went from being on top of the world going... I've had the best reverse grid race under pressure when it counted. And then we, in the race rerun, I got taken out in the first lap at like turn three or something. So I was, that's probably one of the most angry times I've ever been. Um, and essentially that, that probably took away my chance to be top of top of the draft in the end, it didn't matter. And I, I got a seat, which was um, fantastic, but the stress was definitely there in that first year about, you know, am I going to be selected? It's something we haven't had to deal with in sim racing where normally you're in a team, you qualify your way into a field, you get there purely on ability and talent. But um, in the E-Series, it's not really like that. There's a lot more to the picture. It's not just about how fast you are. It's how you conduct yourself. What's your social media look like? What type of following have you got? You know, you, you're basically representing a team or a brand. 
So there's a lot more to it. And you you sit there and wait for that phone call and hope that it comes. And for me, it came um, and I was over the moon. So yeah, that was awesome. So what was it like being there at the studio for that round one with everyone else that you've obviously been driving against for so long, actually in person and all having to use the same Logitech wheels? Yeah, that was actually one of the coolest things I've done in sim racing. Um, I, that, I mean, apart from the fact that went very well for me that round, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) so that probably helps, but, um, yeah, that, that whole experience was great. We, we had the, um, and, you know, Emily touched on this on her podcast with you guys as well, but we had the um, media day as well before that where everybody came to Sydney and I'm, I'm a Sydney-based person, so I didn't have to fly in or anything like that and I, I stayed at home. But um, we, yeah, we had, we had a media day and I remember, I just trying to think, we had a catch-up on the night before the media day because everybody was coming in so i didn't have to go to sydney that night but i'm like it's a good opportunity to meet all these guys teammates and also drivers you race so closely with so we all went down there to to dinner and we went to hard rock cafe in darling harbour and all kinds of jokes and drinks and all that type of thing and then we left there that wasn't enough at you know 10 30 at night or whatever we went to the casino and Anyway, I'm sitting there the whole time thinking, I've still got to drive home and I live about an hour and a half from Sydney. So I'm like, I've got to drive home at the end of this. And well, I wasn't driving, girlfriend was driving, conned her into that. Um, but um, but yeah, I'm thinking I've got to go home and I've got to be back at Moore Park at 7am in the morning for the media day. So the media day was probably a little bit hungover, probably more hungover than what I should have been. But yeah. Um, it was good. We, we watched Monza qualifying and, and all that when they, they had the big debacle in 2019 where they all missed their lap. And we were all watching that together at the sports bar, having lots of drinks. And so the media day was fantastic. Um, that was a cray. I had no sleep because that night of the media day, I also had to drive home and do one of the Scops Enduros was that night. Oh, no. So I went home, did a Scops Enduro with absolutely no practice. And we probably didn't go very well, but it was good for the championship. And then really stupidly, um, Jake Burton and Josh Rogers were still in Sydney for that night. And they're like, after the enduro, hey, we're thinking about seeing a um, a midnight movie. Do you want to just, what about you come back to Sydney after the Scops race and we'll see a movie together? And so I went, yeah, no worries. All right, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. I've got work Monday too. So I, I went, I drove back to the city to hang out more with those two while we had the chance to, because at that point, Jake was from Perth. And I, you know, you never saw Josh Rogers because he was from North Queensland or whatever he was from. So, um, yeah, I guess we tried to maximize that time we hung out together. So we're all rivals on track, but, um, but yeah, we, we really had a good time. And then obviously round one was a similar story. We, um, we did round one all next to each other, having fun, um, high stress. And it was very, very strange having cameras in your face the whole time. Um, even when you were off air, there was cameras around constantly and you just knew that if you did something that even though they weren't live broadcasting at that time, that was going to make highlights, reels and all that type of thing. So um, that was cool. Uh, one of the things that was really, like I was, I always sweat when I race, but one of the things that was really bizarre there was I was right next to one of the stage lights and that was really hot. Oh, wow. yeah, so yeah. yeah, it was right next to the rig facing pretty much right at me. So it was really, really hot. Um, but yeah, I probably had a bit of an advantage there. I, I'd done, um, not something exactly the same as that, but I'd done race to reality back in 2013, which was, you know, live 
environment at race center which i won an aussie race car drive out of and it was a similar feel to that where there was someone videoing that it wasn't live or anything like that on tv but there was cameras around and you're all in a rig next to each other racing so um but yeah you touched on logitech at the time i only had a logitech g27 as yeah. my wheel at home and that advantaged me i think enormously not only that i did a round of scops on i got out of my rig i bought a second hand logitech g29 that i had the intention of keeping for two weeks and selling which i did so i went and bought one on facebook marketplace and used my office chair and desk and a screen because i use vr so i'm like well i don't have triples i'm better off using a screen though so i basically went my rig is so different to what was being used at the arena. I'm better off using my desk and switching all to that equipment two weeks out. And I did about 20 hours of practice on very similar equipment to what I was going to use in the studio. And I think that yielded fantastic results. And I know um, Richard Hampstead did the same thing. And we came out of that round first and second in the championship. So, yeah. yeah. Made a huge difference. Um Let's go into how excited are you for the upcoming season, which just got announced recently? Well, not recently by the time people hear it, but recently, recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, recently, um, I don't know too much about it yet, but it looks exciting. Um, yeah, there, there's not been too much information. I'm reading an article, I think yesterday, that said that it's going to be moved forward into August. So that stuff's going to be happening quite quickly. Obviously, yeah. supercars has got a big delay to the next round, so they're going to try and fill that delay with E-Series racing. It looks as though real-life drivers are going to be involved in it, which is yeah, interesting. Like there's an All-Stars component, then a Pro, which is you guys' component. I don't yeah. know whether they're racing together or it's going to be like two separate races. It's hard to tell from this stage, but... I guess they're still making decisions on the fly now that they've got to push it forward a little bit. Yeah, I'm probably going to suggest Supercars probably doesn't quite even know what they want to do yet. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd say that's all still in the planning phase. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow intertwine those drivers to be in the same race at certain times, whether it be Mm -hmm. like an Enduro or something like that. But I don't know. I did read that and I thought, well, that's going to be, you know, perfect opportunity to make some of that stuff happen. And, um, it'll probably give the fans a bit of engagement as well to see how a Shane Van Gisbergen or an Anton or Scott or whatever um, is going to go up against um, the fastest drivers. Brody Kostecki as well, like those guys are yeah. very fast. So I think a lot of people had questions about that last year and they had the wild cards and I think that that worked well. But yeah, it's um, it's exciting to you know see that coming again. I'm hoping to be involved again, I think off the back of two years in it. I should end up there, but we'll we'll see. Um, hopefully, I want to stay where I am. Um, so at Brad Jones Racing, so they they were phenomenal last year, but we'll see what happens. Um, the the biggest thing with that series is how competitive it is and how much time and effort you got to put in. So it's going to be a crazy few months once we get there. We know that Chaz has been uh, practicing uh, his uh, Formula V racing to get prepared for it. So in our little humble Aussie car league, he's uh, made a few appearances here and there. So I'm sure that's going to hold him in good stead for some E-Series supercar stuff. Uh, What's it like um, or what's it been like working with a team like Brad Jones Racing? Fantastic. Um, Brad, Brad's been fantastic to me. Um, he, you know, got, got me on last year with those guys, um, alongside Jake Burton and Jackson Sizzle and Harlow and 
uh, we worked great as a team, to be honest. Um, I've worked with Jake before at TTR. hadn't worked with Jackson before, but we we pretty much treated it the same as how I treat TTR in that we we looked at each other's data and that type of thing each week and pushed each other. Um, the other thing that we had that was really good was we had their race engineers as well, which was really helpful. Uh, there was a lot of in basically Jake being car eight, um, Nick Perkett's, I guess, sim car, I guess, was uh, he was teamed up with Andrew Edwards, uh, who's Nick Perkett's engineer. And um, I was teamed up with Tony Woodward, who's Todd Hazelwood's engineer. And we built a pretty good relationship with those two engineers, as, as you would imagine. So those guys, BJR is kind of known for this in real life, but those guys know their strategy stuff back mm. to front. And we learned a lot from them. Um, I've learned a lot of things from them that I've taken back into my own sim racing team and used it myself. Like they just, they don't want any questions to appear in the race that they haven't already asked before the race. So they were very big on the, you know, what's your fuel burn? What's the pit transit time? What's the tire degradation? All this type of stuff before you got to the race. And if we didn't know that, it was like, well, why don't you know that? <laughs> we don't want to be guessing this stuff. Like, go go find out what all that stuff is because we need to know not only what the loss is, but we need to know if someone undercuts us, what type of pace advantage are they going to have on us before, you know, we pit? Is it worth us pitting the next lap or have they got us? Is the tire deg too bad over, you know, the run? So it was all that type of stuff that was really interesting. They didn't look too much at our driving, not until we actually um, jumped into their supercars and did a test day. Um, I learned a lot from that. Um, I, I actually saw a lot of similarities to sim racing and if i'm fortunate enough to be with them this year or, or whatever team i am with um i want to try and utilize engineers again because you know even though i'm a coach it's rare that someone actually looks at my driving and we got a big report off the back of that test day and it was super interesting having you know a 10-page document about every single corner in the supercar that we drove and this is where you were faster. This is where you were fast. This is where you weren't. This is how you can be better. And I've taken a lot of that into my driving this year in sim racing and it's a hundred percent helped. So it, it's been amazing. That team has been so accommodating as well. They see the value in E-Series. Like even with um, AE at that test day, he was talking about sim racing as in from what we've seen through E-Series in 2020, he, he was amazed at, how similar the driving was and basically said, I don't think we're going to be looking to go-karting in 10 years time for supercar drivers. He pretty much said where if you can get a seven-year-old into an iRacing supercar, that's closer than a go-kart. So go-karting will be relevant for their real life experience, but you're going to want people in a 650 horsepower supercar as early as you can get it. And if that's in a sim, because they can't drive a real one, then that can only really be seen as a benefit. So it was interesting to hear how they were viewing it and how they're looking at the future because in 10 years' time, who knows how much more accurate it's going to be, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, what opportunities, I suppose, for those people who don't necessarily know the story behind that have come from the Brad Jones Racing um, sort of team-up partnership? Yeah, Brad... Brad's been awesome to us. He's he's really seen how engaged we are in in our driving. And fortunately enough, last year I, I went up to Bathurst with them, um, which was 
at the time was which was really good weird to say but you you pretty much couldn't get to bathurst last year there was only about four thousand people there so um i went up to bathurst and i was on the the pit side of the track as well which was absolutely (laughs) the most surreal thing (laughs) walking around the back of the brad drones racing pit um as a e-series driver and there was not a fan anywhere and i i felt i felt massively out of place like (laughs) it was just the most weird thing um yeah i was taking photos and sending them home and i just said check this out like it's bathurst saturday and i'm at the back of the pits and there is not a single person here it was just unbelievable but i guess what that did was there was no driver signing sessions there was none of that um so the drivers were a lot more available that weekend and you know i was just sitting at the back of the garage and had a chat with you know pretty much all the drivers but jack smith and todd hazelwood both just came and sat down with me for a fair whack of time both of them and we're just chatting about sim racing and their e-series and you know the real cars and we're just chatting racing and and brad jones did the same um he came and sat down for probably about half an hour and just had a chat about you know you know everything to do with e-series real real driving whatever you guys need we'll we'll give you if you see value in the engineers we'll keep doing that you know we want to um but he was big on the um what we want to have this as a team environment where it goes both ways so if you guys need help from our real drivers or our engineers we want to give that to you but if they need help from you for whatever reason, if an E-Series comes up again or whatever it might be, you guys are there to help them as well. And you guys might know something that they don't. So he was big on the, I don't, I don't want this just to be a, you know, a one-way street. I want it to be both ways. And I want you guys to feel engaged in the team. So Brad's been absolutely awesome. Um, and the other part of that was we got to drive in their Super 3 cars at Winton. So the three E-Series drivers got to go and do that, which was absolutely unbelievable. I could have never dreamt of, well, I could have dreamt of it, I guess, but never imagined that I would be getting the chance to drive a, um, a supercar at a test day for a main game team. Like that was just unbelievable. It's, I've pretty much never been that nervous <laughs> before jumping into a race car, but um, yeah, it's it was just nuts. That, that day was just unbelievable. We got about, I'm trying to think, and we got about somewhere between 15 to 20 laps, which... Um, to get the opportunity so to do quick. that yeah get the oh yeah it did and and you know the the, the day didn't run as smoothly for me as what we were kind of hoping oh, the no. um the first car i drove was the old josh fife number 14 super three car and there was no video of that one one because the camera didn't work properly but two i only got four laps in that car and the engine had a problem and I've never been so scared <laughs> sitting in the car. What have I done? Yeah, I I just was sitting there going, "Oh my god, <laughs> what's the go here?" Because it just totally, it just totally died out on track, basically, and it had a bad misfire to it, and just ground to a halt. And I'm and I didn't have radio in my helmet, oh, no. so I'm sitting there in the car thinking, "This isn't good." <laughs> I'm <laughs> really, really hoping. Day I ever get yeah, to. <laughs> I'm really, really hoping that that wasn't something that I've done. <laughs> Yeah. And um, I got out and, you know, the car got wheeled back and it, it just wouldn't fire, basically. And I've asked um, Tony, the engineer, and just said to him, mate, I don't want to ask it, but is that something that I've done? He's like, no, 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 this is this is a different problem. And I'm like, oh, thank God for that. <laughs> like, And he said, no, no, if you were over revving it on a downshift or something, you, I would have been out there on the pit wall calling you in. And he's like, there's, there's no way I would have let that okay. happen for more than a lap. So, no, nah, unbelievable experience. So 
I want to oh, way over time. Let's just go straight into what's your rig look like now. <laughs> uh, yeah, now it's a lot better than when it started. So I've got a next level racing GT track, um, a VRS Direct Force Pro with a HRS P310 wheel rim. Um, I use VR, so we use an Oculus Quest 2. Um, I've got the HE Sprint pedals. Um, um, yeah, and obviously that's pretty much it, really. I just use a, a laptop for data as well. Okay. How do you find the Oculus Quest 2? Uh, the big upgrade. Did you use a Quest 1 before that, or were you using something else? Uh, I was using a Rift CV1, and yep. just after E-Series last year, I broke the head strap on it, and apparently you can't replace that So because it broke on the... Um, on the mounting point. So I got in contact yep. with them and they basically said, we can't help you anymore. And I said, okay, no worries. I'll just have to buy a new one of your products. So they got more money out of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, the quest two is, is a big step forward. Actually, the the resolution is so much higher. It, it pretty much doesn't feel like you've got any, um, you know, fly screen door effect anymore. It's, it's really good. I, I really like it. The, the problem is, is I've, probably need a new computer now because at Detroit and <laughs> Belle Isle, I really struggled for frame rate. So I yeah. think that's probably due to the, um, the extra resolution it's got, but, um, but yeah, it's good. And I love the standalone stuff. I love going and playing Beat Saber and all that stuff now, which I couldn't yeah. do before. <laughs> I, I upgraded to the Quest 2. It's sitting there. I've hardly used it because I just haven't had time, but it'd be interesting to see jumping into, to, um, iRacing with it. Cause that was the problem with iRacing with the Quest 1 was it just, you couldn't quite tell the cars who they were until they were like 50 meters in front of you. Just a little bit, little bit. Yeah. The resolution wasn't quite there, but I'll give that a go soon. But what's the future hold for Madison Down? Ooh, I probably don't look at the future enough, to be honest. Um, look, everything, to be honest with you, is going quite well for me in sim racing at this point in time. I'd, I, w- I want to keep performing at the front of the field where I can. Um, keep keep working for VRS. I've particularly this year, I've had a lot of great people come through coaching. Um, I've actually been flat out <laughs> with coaching. It's been it's been nuts. It's probably been a little bit COVID induced. Um, a lot of the people I talk to have got into sim racing in the last eighteen months, which is awesome. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> I, I'm still not working from home or anything like that. I, I work in retail, so I'm still doing oh, Jesus. you know forty three hours <laughs> a week as a retail manager. So. I've been very, very busy. Like this last week alone, I've uh, three three nights out of my week were taken up with um, VRS coaching, which is yeah. great. But it's been probably comes back to what I said earlier on in this pod, with, which is uh, managing time. So it's been very challenging to manage my practice time when you're doing, you know, probably about seven or eight hours of VRS work on top of your job, and then do that consistent six to 10 hours of practice to actually be good enough to win races. Um, it's been a little bit challenging to manage, but yeah. I want to keep doing the same. I don't know why I'm probably just an idiot and like keeping busy, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to try and keep doing real world stuff where I can as well. I haven't got to do very much of that. I normally just do super sprints and that type of thing. I'd love to get into real racing if that can somehow eventuate, but yeah. at the moment it's certainly not the time for that. Um, it's just you can't plan what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone in a few months' time. So keep giving myself opportunities in sim racing and see what comes out of it. I've got a lot of great ones so far and just keep putting myself in a position where I'm the guy that people want to give the call up, I guess. So I quickly put out a, a call for questions in our Locked On Discord before and I'm apologising for this, but Tim Cornts comes through with a question. <laughs> um, 
It's got the question straight off the bat is will he race for Locked On in the ten hour Petit Le Mans? <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting desperate recruiting, aren't we? <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> ah, just joking. <laughs> uh, so uh, quickly, do you do any of the special events and stuff like that? I guess that's where this that's where I'll lead with this question. But do you do much stuff like that? We haven't actually done a lot for a pretty long period at TTR. Um, it got talked about at the start of this year. We had a bit of a start of the year team meeting, which you know just was probably a Saturday night catch up on Canadian clubs <laughs> or something. That's what it would have turned into. But I think we were talking about um, doing a bunch of these races like Spa 24-Hour, Nürburgring 24-Hour, Le Mans, all this stuff. Anyway, so we've done none of those this year after <laughs> saying that we wanted to do more of them. Um, I, I'm not against it. One of the, one of the problems is definitely that, um, I think it's not just me and my team that has this issue, but it's, it's probably some others as well where we, we just don't feel like we've got enough time to do it. Um, a lot of the guys in my team do work full time and then I guess we're putting everything into the V8 Scops and E-Series basket. So V8 Scops is very much a series that the supercars teams look at to pick their drivers. And I guess now E-Series is one of these things that people aspire towards. And anything that takes your mind off that for a lot of myself and my teammates um, potentially puts that seed at risk. And a lot of the guys that are in my team don't have prior um, relationships with any supercars teams or or they're not really fallen in the door there. So they're really trying to make sure they give themselves the opportunity. So um, I, I would like to do more of it. Um, I do have people occasionally asking me, and there has been times that I have done it, not for a long time, but I've, I've driven for ERT before, which is probably a surprise to people at like certain races that they've done in 24 hours, but never done any good. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I've done done a few fill-in stints. I, I had it actually for the Spa 24 last weekend. Um, ben Cornett from Team Redline shot me a message and said, hey, Shane and I need a driver to um, to drive with. And I said, yeah, I'm probably not your guy. I'm not going to have any time to do any practice. So if you want the car parked in the fence, I'll be the guy, but go find someone else. <laughs> I won't have time to practice, sorry. But uh, but yeah, I'm not against it. It's just I, I very rarely have the time to put into it, that's all. Uh, so I'll quickly put it out there. If anyone from Trans-Tasman does want to race, uh, <laughs> does do Enduros, and uh, if, if Madison won't let you, then then we'll happily take you on. No problem. Well, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, if you actually, being, being the team we are, if there's any teams out there that sometimes need a driver, um, I can definitely, because TTR almost never fields a car, and there's, there's almost, like, even with AOSC, some of my drivers just message me out of the blue and say, hey, I'm going to drive with this other team in AOSC in the V8 league. Is that okay? And I'm like, well, yeah, we don't have anyone to give you because no one else wants to do it. So go for it. Like if you want to drive for a different team in that event, go for it. And that comes back to what I was saying before about sometimes you just need to don't take things too seriously. Um, just go have fun. If you want to drive with a different team and guys in that enduro, go and do it, you know? So um, yeah, if, if there are people out there, it's not exactly out of the question sometimes to shoot someone a message and get an answer that you might not have expected. So, yeah, definitely. So we are way over. So let's wrap this thing up. <laughs> Who should we get on the podcast next? Oh, I don't know. I saw this question in the run sheet and I'm going to be <laughs> like Emily and be like, I don't have a clue. Um, oh, far out. I'm trying to think. 
of anyone anyone good. I mean, I, I know all the I know all the guys in V8 Scops are all interesting to listen to, but you can say Brad Jones if you want. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I mean, stuff like that. High. Yeah, aim high. I was going to say someone out of E Series might be interesting to to do it. I mean, even even a guy like you know Todd Hazelwood or something like that might be interesting. I you know I, I could shoot them a question and see whether they might. Even you know you guys have something with Chaz Mostert. Those guys they might not do an hour and a bit, but <laughs> they might do a few questions. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, maybe someone like that. But a lot of the E Series guys would do it. And they're all going to have similar stories to me, I guess. Um, you could even look at some of the older guys in the sim racing community, like, you know, you mentioned Ben Cornett or, you know, if you can get onto someone like Luke McQueen or Darren Marsh, they'd have interesting stories from Team Redwine. Yeah. You probably don't know those names much now, but those guys from that older generation, those guys have a lot of cool stories about um, Grand Prix legends and that type of thing. I don't know if Reg Burke and Val Ritchie's and Ian Travis and Greg Stewart and all those guys from TTL are still around or not. Um, but they used to do a lot of skip barber racing and they did a bit of V8 stuff. They um, they started in Grand Prix Legends and they I raced until recently. I think they still do it just for a bit of fun now. But those guys, when I was young back in 2011, 2012, when I started, they had so many cool stories to tell me from racing on dial-up internet in leagues on GPL. It was very interesting to listen to. So maybe a guy that's um, not going to tell you all the same stories as, as some of the modern dudes. If you can get someone from a really older generation, it would be interesting. But um, yeah. Definitely. We'll, we'll attack a fair few people because we are sort of doing another round of, of invites fairly soon. So looking at who, getting whoever we can get. But there are definitely some old stories. I want to hear that. I was, I was very interested to see who you were going to, throw under the bus when you said some of the older guys i'm like oh madison's got to dress very carefully yeah <laughs> no nah, those, those guys nah, those guys are good i haven't talked to them for actually a very long time but those guys taught me a lot and um and yeah just hearing their stories i mean they used to race against gregor hutu back in the day on grand prix legends and they've still got replay files saved on their computer of leagues that they raced against gregor and yeah they went and forced me to download they're like oh when you used to play as a kid did you uh did you ever play grand prix legends and i'm like no and they're like <laughs> oh here's the website to download it download this download this you need this you need this here's the setup i've still got all the setups from nurburgring go drive this see if you can do sub 10 minute whatever it was so they were um yeah they know that back to front and obviously that that was the basis for i racing that or one of the basis for i racing yeah. that game so yeah, yeah. excellent well thank you so much for your time i'm going to quickly throw <laughs> to Braden to say where he, he where people can find you and then me, and then you wrap up with you. So Braden, where can people find you, mate? Yeah. So you can find me over at twitch.tv slash the one D Wade. Yeah. Surprisingly woke up to that this morning. Um, probably stream Sunday night lights tonight, but that won't be tonight when this podcast comes out. So just pop over whenever yeah. I'm, I'm streaming and have a look. And if you want to hear me talking about sport or anything else that's uh, on my mind, uh, Twitter at Braden talks. Okay, and I'm a long-winded one, so Madison, where can people find you if they want to catch up with anything you're doing at the moment? Pretty much anywhere, really. I'm on all the different platforms. So Twitter is at Madison Down. Um, also, Instagram is at Madison underscore Down. Um, I'm on Facebook as well as Madison Down. So just pretty much the iRacing branding. If you search my name, you should be able to find me. I'm also on Twitch as Madison Down as well. 
Um, and if anyone, just a quick call out, if anyone's got any questions around any of the virtual racing school stuff that I do, um, feel free to get in touch with me in any of these platforms. I'm on the VRS Discord, um, available on Facebook, personal or fan page, whatever it might be. Get in touch. I'll try and answer whatever questions um, you, you might have for me. Um, just shoot me a message. I know some, sometimes people are reluctant, so just feel free to reach out. Yeah, definitely do that. So you can find uh, all our content at lockedonlads.com slash discord is one place to get us. So jump into the discord for sure. Uh, Locked on Lads on Facebook, Locked on Lads YT on YouTube. If you can go give us some subs over there, that would be amazing, everyone. Uh, Locked on Lads on Twitch, Locked on Lads on Twitter, Wilco's Chill Zone on Twitter, which I'm trying to use, but I just never get around to it. <laughs> um, but also thanks to our sponsors, uh, CD Symptography. Clayton Davies doing some great work. Sent me some photos the other day of our race together where I beat him. Uh, just remember that, Clayton. Um, <laughs> we also have uh, Ash Knowles with his uh, Bruce Brewster, B-R-E-W-S-T-R dot coffee. Uh, go check out whether there's some good coffee in your local region. And 24-7 race control uh go check them out if you are wanting some race control for your races but thank you so much madison you've been an absolute pleasure and i i say it every week i could go on for another hour or two with you but thank you for giving us an hour of your morning an hour and a half of your morning on a sunday morning you've been a legend mate thank you so much thanks and guys talk to you hopefully again soon we might get some stuff on cover some stuff with the e-series for you if you're free or um some scop stuff at the end when you're battling for the championship. That's what. Good luck with the rest of the season, mate. Yeah, thanks, guys. Anytime. Um, just as I said, get in touch with me if you ever want to get me on for whatever reason. Just get in touch, and I'm happy to jump on the show. And um, yeah, same thing. If if anyone's got questions or if you need to get anyone from TTR, same thing. We're all happy to be on here. So I'll be listening in the car on the way to and from work, guys. So uh, keep going. Thank you very much, mate. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. See ya.